the welcoming prayer again. Remembering what we are welcoming is the indwelling spirit's presence amongst the all of life, all of it, the wholeness of life. Gently become aware of your body and your interior state. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me in this moment because I know it is for my healing. I welcome all thoughts, feelings, emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. I let go of my desire for security. I let go of my desire for approval. I let go of my desire for control. Anytime we're talking about desire, friends, it's we're talking about um, the fastest road to suffering, right? So it's like letting go of the desire that keeps me entangled, that keeps me in the energy of suffering. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or myself. I open to the love and presence of God and the healing action and grace within. Mary Murzowski, the welcoming prayer from the work of Thomas Keating. Okay. So you can let your eyes blink, blink open. (laughs) I highly recommend, I feel like this prayer... um, is useful, you know, anytime we say a prayer, it is sort of like grabbing onto a thread that perhaps could lead us away from ego towards a larger sense of I, right? And anytime we're moving away from ego towards a larger sense of I, um, we're moving from um, suffering to spaciousness, right? And then we're also moving from um, resistance to acceptance (laughs) and um, we're moving from fear to love and so anytime we can pray even if it's a prayer that's written for us I find that one to be so potent and effective um, for myself lately because I want to do all of those things (laughs) my desire for control and approval and my longing right um, to not only control other people to make that so, but also to control myself, right, to make all of that so, rather than to, like, be open and expansive to the grace and the energy of this moment, because a lot has happened since we were last together. Um, I don't think we need to go over it. Most of you know. Um, For those of you not in Portland, the smoke has cleared, so we're going to do a little bit of work. Um, Our final pose today is a pose that my teacher recommends um, to do in the autumn actually to prepare us for lung health, to really practice it a lot in the autumn to prepare us for um, helping our lungs to be healthy as we move into the winter, which is especially important right now, right? So we have all of these layers of suffering happening right now. Um, For many of us in Oregon, it was the prison uh, of COVID within the prison of the smoke. And it was for me... um, pretty much the worst week that I've had, which I didn't think that that would be possible. 
Um, and then we've had the tragedy of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and sort of the revealing again um, of how fragile this system is that so much could be hinging right on the shoulders of one human being in this democracy seems um, just really wild and it's being exposed right now and remember from way back in the beginning of this when we worked with that word apocalypse that apocalypse doesn't mean the ends of things it means the revealing right the unveiling and so we have um, a lot of unveiling happening right now a revealing of the truth of what really is and so then um, the question becomes how do we work with all of this suffering my loves um personally and collectively um and what does it look like to work with our suffering in a compassion way right from like a yogic perspective because when we're working with all of this from a yogic perspective we're working with the energy we're hoping to work with the energy of expansive love right that's my personal way that i like to um frame it it's an accessible way i think and i mean love as far as um like it's a verb right <laughs> loving lovable like the way in which love is an active energy in our being in our life and that is our birthright right for us to have access to it um and i believe uh very firmly that we cannot meet the layers upon layers upon layers of suffering that are happening right now for most of us in varying ways um, through the analytical mind, through the laboratory of the mind. I don't think it's something that we can parse and sort and make sense of with the mind, which means then that we have to be able to be with the suffering that is happening through the lens of the heart. Um, and then for me, what always happens is it's easy to hear that or say that or to be like, I believe that. But ultimately, it's like, well, how do we do that, right? Um, and mm, it's a mystery, I think, that we can't necessarily even, it's like hard to talk about, but you know when it happens, when we're able to be with ourselves through the lens of the heart rather than through the lens of the mind. But we know for certain that it's more spacious, right? And we also know that it's more sustainable. Um, and it doesn't mean, um, well, let me tell you a story. I told this in the meditation this morning, but I think that it's uh, it helps to understand it like on a smaller level. My son is 12. And he has been um, with a girlfriend, kind of, that he met skateboarding. And she's British. And she was, like, really captivated my son's, like, beingness, you know. And they were texting all the... Oops, shit. We were texting all the time. And um, we they would meet up together. And it was just very, like, sweet. And he texted her the other night, just a couple of nights ago, can we say, I love you to each other now? And she wrote back, well, I do, so yeah. And then he wrote back, I-L-Y, which at first, in my adult mind, with those, like, LOLs and stuff like that, I'm always like, what does that mean? Oh, it means I love you. And then he put a red heart, and then she wrote back, I love you too, poopy butt. And then she didn't text him, right, for a whole day. And in his sensitive adult way he um his wisdom was like oh 
it's over. And so he wrote her and was like, this isn't working, which I think is so funny. And I asked him, I said, why did you text her and ask, can we say that we love each other, right? Um, And he said, because I wanted to know if she would say it back to me if I said it to her, right? So he was looking for certainty. And there was a way in which he framed it, which was very calculating and from the mind. And when we're moving from the heart, we open right, ourselves up to uncertainty. I'm going to go back to that prayer for a second because there's that part um, where it says, in the very beginning, that I let go of my desire for security. right? And when we're moving from the lens of the heart, we're moving from a place that is not um, secure, right? Um, we're acknowledging that the energy of what happen, what's happening is here as a way to wake us up. And it isn't going to look like necessarily what we want it to look like. Um, and my son, he is so funny. He's someone who has usually a physical manifestation with grief, like before he's able to articulate it. And so he totally, before any of this was articulated and he was able to speak truth to how sad he was, he got a fever for like an hour and scared everyone. But it was like his nervous system working and like finding a way for the enormity of his um, upset to exit, right? And so as adults, it's like, okay, well... um, how do we work with the energy of the layers upon layers of suffering and how do we really move through the lens of the heart? And I think, oh yeah, I want to say this. Um, Keeping our hearts open in the midst of suffering means that we have to let die, right? Um, The part of us that thinks that we can't bear it, right? So we're in many of us a situation right now which might be um, feel unbearable or unsustainable. And there's the small quivering part of ourselves that wants security, that wants control, that wants approval. And it's standing in the way, <laughs> right, of us moving forward and growing and being able to actually bear it, right? And so anytime this happens, anytime in our lives where we come head to head with grief, like we talked about last week, whether it's like a divorce or a traumatic move or the death of a loved one or um, having to work every single day for the last six months in COVID or not being able to work, whatever it is, not leaving our house for seven days, anytime we come head to head with what we think we cannot bear, The part of us that thinks that we cannot bear it will die. And we are born again out of the ashes of that, right? And the part of us that thinks that it can't die is usually some sort of identity, right? The identity of wife, the identity of sister, of mother, of worker, of renter, of house owner, of whatever it is that we have tied up with it that we think that we need to protect. That's what keeps us small. And so it's this process right now which takes us back to that word apocalypse where we are shedding, right, and revealing um, what is really true by letting go and letting die those identities so that we can get to the heart of who we really are, right? 
How many identities can I shed to get to the heart of who I am? And it sounds exciting, but it is really very, very painful. Speaking from experience. So um, we have um, a meditation, which I hope that we'll be able to get to do at the end of class. We're going to move our bodies um, and like cleanse ourselves and be in this like meat suit that we get to wear. And then at the end of class, we're going to hopefully have a couple moments to practice this meditation, but I want to explain the four parts. And then I also already taped a version of this from this morning that I'll put on the podcast along with this talk too, because they're both a little bit different. But there's four steps essentially to start to work with these really challenging um, moments of suffering and the emotions that they bring up that keep us small, that keep us tied to the identities that we need to let die ultimately. And you guys, this is like, I'm speaking from a yogic perspective. I want to make this really very clear that this is love hive yoga and that's what we're doing here. So we're looking at it from a multiple lifetime perspective and from a yogic perspective, um, which means that we understand that these energies are here for us to grow, for us to learn, for us to transform. Um, and that the challenge, the difficulties that arise are perfect. It's this beautiful paradox, right? Where it's the world calling us up and be like, hey, do you want to be called back to love? And we can say yes, or we can take a pass in this life. And if you're here listening to this talk right now, then you're picking up the phone and saying, yes, I want to call, be called back to love, to knowing who I really am, who I really am, that I am expansive love. So here's the four steps. The first one, which we'll practice later, we'll put into practice later, but this is explanation. The first one is that we just sit and we let the breath breathe itself, right? It's a welcoming um, of what is. So we're not changing anything. We're just being with the breath, being in the body, pausing the pause. Um, The second step is to name what arises and to feel where it arises in the body. And just friends in doing that, just in naming our feelings and being like, oh, desire feels like this, frustration feels like this, and I feel it in my heart, or um, anger feels like this, and I don't want to feel it. Just in naming it and putting a vocabulary to it, um, we have an opportunity just in that to be able to meet ourselves with compassion and with acceptance, right? And so we're moving from here, right? From judgment and fear and ego and desire down to here, right? Which is acceptance, being with what is, right? Um, And so that's like, that's the second step, just sitting and pausing and then naming what comes up, being with what comes up in a kind, compassionate way. And just in that, we're starting to move through the lens of the heart. And that might be like, that might be where you are. That might be the first step. And always start for the first with the first step, right? <laughs> Don't skip to the others. You gotta start from exactly where you are. And that might be where it stops for you today. And then the third one, and this is the big one. Um, and it is so counterintuitive. <laughs> uh, and yet it makes so much sense. So then you've done that. You've named kind of what's arising um, in the midst of the suffering right now from a compassionate place. And then you're going to go in your body and you're going to scan and you're going to find, right, where um, a difficult emotion emotion might be. 
And for many times, if for us, it might be in the solar plexus or in the throat or in the shoulders, the neck. Um, and once we find it and we name it and we're like, for me today, it was like, oh, hey, anxiety. How are you? Familiar companion. And then instead, right, instead of what we normally do, which is to try and shrink those uncomfortable feelings and shove it down into a place, probably our pelvis, where we don't want to look at it anymore, we let those feelings grow and be as big and expansive as they want to be, right? Um, Because I don't know about you, but I've had like 17 feelings a second (laughs) in the past week that I would rather not have, right? And so here in our meditation practice, we get this new tool where we get to be with the discomfort. And this, our asana practice teaches this all the time. We put ourselves in uncomfortable positions and we just stay and let there be space. And we're doing the same thing with our emotions um, in this practice as we find it and then we let it grow big inside our body, maybe even fill the room, maybe even feel the, fill the park. Whatever it is that's happening, it gets to get big. And in letting it get expansive, we get to watch and feel it transform, right? That's, that'll be the thing. And then the last step is to remind ourselves, which we already talked about for a moment, that these challenges arise to remind us who we really are, right? To call us back to loving awareness, right? And we're learning through this practice to accept the phone call. We remember and we forget. That is what it's like being in this human body. It is not about always remembering we are loving awareness. It is about catching ourselves getting caught in the small self and then choosing mindfully, using our mindfulness practice to accept the call and be like, oh, I'm called back to love right now. Um, So that's the practice. I'm really excited for our asana practice today. We're going to practice the sound of OM. Um, I'm really happy to be here. Remember, um, it's huge right now. And let's not, let's let it be huge, right? Let's let it be what it is and let it grow and transform in its vastness, right? Um, the surface of the ocean is the place where it is choppy and changing and changeable. Anyone who's seen the ocean or been in it lately, just picturing it. And that always we have the vastness beneath us to rest into, to rest back into, right? And so letting our experience right now, a suffering of desire, of wanting to control, um, of not wanting to feel, right? Um, To begin to meet it through the lens of the heart in these ways with these practices rather than through the lens of the mind. Um, And that in and of itself, friends, gives us, I think, the opportunity then to be able to work in our actual lives in a way that is engaged and present and not reactive. And so much right now the world needs that. We need you not in your reactive place, but in the vastness of your love, standing in your own power, not giving it away, being in your own strength. Okay, let's go to the mat.